Hey friend, Graham Baldwin here with The Speaker Lab. Hey, wouldn't it be nice if someone gave you the exact process to find and book more speaking gigs in 2024? That'd be nice, right? Well, I'll tell you what, we're just gonna do that for you. We've created a new 18-page guide based on Dan Irvin's process that helped him actually book over $100,000 in speaking gigs in the past year. Now, Dan is one of our uh, team members here. He's this, a very successful speaker and also one of our coaches. And so you're gonna learn how to get started prospecting, master discovery calls, proposal emails, and so much more. All you got to do is go to thespeakerlab.com slash steps. Again, that's plural, thespeakerlab.com slash steps. We're going to send you that PDF guide right to your inbox. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash steps. That's it. That's all you got to do. Go there. Hey, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. You're awesome. Hey, what's up, friends? Grant Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. As you well know, or hopefully you know by now, we are doing a series of Facebook Lives on a daily basis, uh, just talking to some different people in the speaking industry. We've talked with uh, different speakers, and today we're going to be talking with Josh McGee, who is an event planner. He has uh, he talks about the different events that he has had uh, impacted. He talks about how speakers can be interacting with event planners, the do's and the don'ts of that right now. We talk about virtual events. We talk about future events and how budgets have been impacted. Uh, just talk about long-term perspective from an event planner perspective. So uh, Josh gives some really, really good insights here. I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation. So uh, let's jump right into this uh, with Josh McGee. I will tell you real quick, uh, we have a couple of um, uh, bandwidth technical issues where he cuts out for just a couple seconds. Um, happened once or twice. So hang, hang tight through that. You'll be fine. Uh, let's jump into it. Here you go. Enjoy. Hey, what's up, friends? Grant Baldwin here. Hope you guys are doing well. Hope you're having a great day. Uh, as you are well aware, we are in the thick of uh, this really weird world in the speaking industry. And uh, so this week, we've been doing a series of interviews and conversations with people in the speaking industry, different speakers. Uh, we talked with uh, Sean Hanks the other day from Premier Speakers Bureau. Today, we're going to be talking with Josh McGee, who is an event planner, to talk about how things have been affected on uh, that side of the equation. So, uh, Josh, how are you, man? Thanks for joining us. I'm doing great this morning. Thanks, Grant. I appreciate you having me again. I think it, we were just about to enter summer last time we talked. It seems like just a, a more peaceful time uh, whenever, whenever last yeah, time we was. talked. There. <laughs> and I remember referring to some of the events then yeah. that we are canceling now. I mean, it was we were already talking about a 2020 cycle and here we are. So yeah. Uh, I appreciate you keeping everybody up to speed on what's going on in the Speaker Lab audience and network. So uh, glad to be here again. Yeah. So first of all, why don't you give us kind of some context here of uh, over the course of a year, how many events are you typically working on and how many have you had directly impacted by all of this so far? Yeah. So uh, we have about uh, over a dozen national events at NRECA, which is the National Rural Electric Cooperative Association. And um, the unit that I work for, Touchstone Energy, helps support those events. Uh, and really, it was the April events that uh, got hit the hardest. So uh, between uh, the second half of March and through the end of April, uh, we canceled over 12 events, uh, two or three national conferences in that time span. And so that affected about 3,000 attendees or so. And, uh, of course, a lot of revenue. Uh, on that side of things. But uh, the cancellation went basically out 50 days to the end of April. And of course, the conditions then, uh, when we made that decision, have worsened now. And so when we go into May, into June, um, we're going to have to be making similar decisions because the conditions have, have yet to improve uh, on the, the curve out of here. 
As you're kind of looking through, you know, the, the coming weeks and months, how many of these events that have been affected, these dozen events, how many of these are just straight up canceled versus postponed versus uh, rescheduled versus just kind of to be determined at this point? So how what's kind of been the outcome so far? Yeah, so it seemed to us that second half of March leading into April, you basically just had to make a fast decision. We don't want people on planes. We don't want people traveling. Um, if they do not have to. And so uh, for those events, those are all cancellations, maybe one or two. We looked into a reschedule uh, before pulling that plug. But uh, number one, you had to act fast. So moving forward, because we have at least time on our side a little bit to plan ahead, then I think that uh, postponements or reschedules are more likely. Although a lot of the conversations that we've had so far really is looking at cancellations and looking to 2021 to restart the cycle uh, of events uh, if we're not able to uh, quickly in 2020. So at what point did you realize uh, that this was going to become an issue and that you were having to start making some decisions? Because it seems like this has all happened very, very quickly. You know, there was uh, one day where it seemed like, yeah, I think we're going to be all right. And then literally it seemed like 24, 48, 72 hours later, it's like, holy crap, like this is a this is a big, big deal. So uh, at what point did you start to feel like the dominoes were starting to fall for you guys? Yeah, well, I will say it was definitely a team effort of people bringing different pieces of information to the table of what it looks like, particularly the conference managers who were being affected their particular event during the end of uh, April. Um, you know, we actually had uh, a very uh, productive meeting. I believe it was March 13th at three o'clock. And that was the very minute that President Trump came to the Rose Garden and announced the national emergency. So that was just another piece of information that came just right then and, and there. Uh, safety is number one. I mean, our electric cooperative network safety has always been our number one priority. And um, that's going to carry over in every event we do, the work that they do uh, each and every day. But it's also going to carry uh, into events and, and what we do. And so when we realize that it's not safe uh, to travel, you know, that that was the first domino effect. You don't need too many more dominoes after that to fall. Uh, when you're considering people's part of uh, either having uh, state bans for travel or their employer uh, ban travel. And so those are just some of the considerations that began. But safety was number one, of course. So as you are looking at these various events that have been affected, uh, some of them that you said said are just straight up canceled, some are being postponed, some are being rescheduled. Uh, have you considered any type of virtual options for some of these things? There's going to be some events that just don't lend themselves real well to virtual options, but then there's certainly events that, that do. Uh, is virtual speaking or virtual events, is that an option on the table for you with any of these? Sure. Well, let me answer that by saying that the event themselves the in-person event, the networking, all of that uh, may be canceled uh, in the past or moving forward. But as a conference manager, you want to continue to give value. You've worked hard. You've spent a lot of money on marketing, a lot of effort um, in securing speakers and making it a great event. And that is all because you want to give value. Just because everybody can't convene in person doesn't mean you necessarily will not have value. And so, of course, the number one way that we're jumping to maintain value is looking at the online experience, uh, webinars or online forums. Um, there's a lot of tools out there that uh, a lot of people are now knowing about 
uh, that can handle up to 20,000 people if you wanted to uh, right. do an online conference or a forum. Uh, we have a virtual learning and it's more in smaller groups, but uh, certainly if there's any time to look beyond that and to look at the big uh, audience uh, platforms that you can use, uh, now is the time. So that's really been the first move for us is moving to virtual. So uh, for speakers and their considerations is how do you uh, adjust your message where you're, you're not going to get the feedback of a laugh. You're not going to get uh, the opportunity to command a stage. What does that look like for you? Because that's definitely where we're going. Do you think that this will have any long-term impact on virtual events where do you feel like just across the board in the speaking industry that events are uh, may perhaps say, you know, uh, an event that normally would have been just, it was happened on an annual basis or they, is there a chance that any of those that you'll look at and go, I don't know, maybe we should just do that as a virtual thing going forward. Uh, or is that still also kind of a, a to be determined type of a, a spot? Yeah, I would imagine that would come in the debrief uh, that would come in post of the coronavirus getting out of here. I think some of those uh, uh, decisions would come in the debrief. Uh, but uh, personally speaking, I think that it's pushing organizations to um, create a more interactive experience, whether it's in person or not. Uh, what does the mix look like? Uh, one goal that many conference managers have, certainly my peers, is how do we continue education throughout the year between those annual events? You know, it's great to look forward to an annual event and, and uh, you know, see friends that you've seen for many years and hear content from some of your favorite speakers. But how do you stay connected throughout the year? I think that the virtual learning is going to really unlock that opportunity so that when you do come together, as, a, as an in-person event, uh, networking uh, can really take its place in content you may have heard throughout the year, and there you can uh, apply conversations to it. So I, th I think it's a positive in post. You know, right now it's just uh, difficult for a lot of the registrants who look forward to events, a lot of the conference managers who uh, uh, bled um, blood and, and tears for uh, these events, but uh, not all is lost. Like I said, we have a goal to continue to add value uh, to those registrants uh, any way we can. So right now it is a uh, Friday, March the 27th, looking ahead. What's the soonest event that you do have that as of now, as this moment, obviously a ton can change even over the weekend, but as of now is planning on moving forward. And how are you thinking about, you know, what the, what the decision timeline is on some of those events that are still scheduled in the coming, you know, months uh, as to whether or not they're going to be affected? Yeah, so we went 50 days out. Uh, right now, we're about 45 days out of our next event. And uh, the next decision point uh, will be what that mid-May event uh, will do. Will it be canceled or not? Uh, in the meantime, we're already looking at opportunities. How can we add value in the meantime uh, through either recordings or webinars? There has been some bandwidth issues. Uh, everybody going to uh, live streaming and um webinar virtual learning. So there has been some bandwidth issues. So we're looking into recording as well, uh, recording content, sending that out to be, to be more self-service. And so some of those are certainly already taking place. Utilize the speakers that we contracted. Uh, do we push them off to 2021 to maintain the value relationship that we have, or do we use them in a virtual platform? I think that's a one-on-one -on -one case and decision point. Um, but uh, right now we're about 45 days out and uh, uh, we, we won't be getting much closer without making those decisions. 
Very good. What uh for the various events that you do have that have been affected by this, the obviously, like you said, you have a lot of speakers that have been contracted that were supposed to be doing events and events that are uh, either been canceled or kind of up in the air or rescheduled or you know still to be determined. Uh, is there anything that 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 from your perspective as an event planner that speakers should or shouldn't be doing right now that can uh, really be a benefit to you or can really burn a bridge with you? Because this is obviously kind of a sensitive time for everyone. Um, but but one of the things we've been telling speakers all the time is that the the interactions that they have with event planners right now, such as yourself, uh, can really have long term implications as far as uh, event planners that say that speaker was really really good to work with in times of crisis, or they're flexible, or they're great. Uh, so therefore, I want to work with them more and more in the future. Versus like they're a huge pain in the butt. I know that they were hurting, but uh, they didn't have a lot of, of compassion or consideration for what we were going through on the event side. So, is there any like do's and don'ts that you would recommend for speakers during this time? Well, I can recommend a do, and that is actually coming from one of my friends, Eric Green, which is great mm-hmm. how you and I got connected. Uh, Eric had a few in-person events uh, in April, and uh, they were canceled. And so he reached out to us, and he created an abstract for a 60-minute webinar. Uh, the workshop that I believe he was going to perform was several hours Uh, But because it was canceled, he was proactive. He sent uh, me and my colleague, Scott, a abstract of a 60 minute um, webinar and uh, he put an immediate price to it. We were able to consider uh, all elements of holding this webinar. And I think that we uh, agreed to it within that day. At the end of that day, we had already planned a date. And so proactive Uh, on a speaker's part, I think will go a long way of how can you adjust um, and propose something uh, different. Now, we'll retain uh, the event that was canceled and hope to reschedule later in the year. But what happened is we were able to create value right here and right now and then also plan for the future of what that in-person event uh, will look like. And so that was a mutual benefit to the speaker, uh, to the corporation uh, as well. And so that that would be a do for sure. Um, a don't is, I know it's very difficult in this time not to try to get new business, uh, but I've gotten several sales calls and sales emails about the fall events. And uh, would you hire me for those fall events? And I I'm just can't think about uh, those things or, you know, uh, we, we certainly are in a stall period right now with that. And so uh, I would say that's a don't and uh, create value here in the now. Uh, not so much new business for the future. So a couple questions on that. Uh, as far as like creating value right now, uh, what would be some things that speakers could do to create value? Because it does, it feels like this really kind of sensitive dance on both sides, right? Because recognizing, like you mentioned, uh, you, you, you know, reaching out to an event planner uh, from a speaker's perspective, reaching out to an event planner to try to book something for the fall, you know, depending on the time right now, it, it may be hit or miss. Although uh, from a speaker's perspective, it seems like there are a lot of events that are still, as of now, still happening in the fall that need speakers. And so you're, you're kind of messing with uh, some current events that you've got, but then also thinking through like that event's coming um, and we got to be ready for it. And at some point we have to decide to book speakers. So how do you, how can a speaker kind of continue to maintain some conversation and maintain some of that, um, stay on, you know, stay on your good side, so to speak. Uh, but at the same time, recognize like at some point in the coming you know weeks or months, you're, you're going to have to make a decision on, on fall events and, and finding speakers. So how does a speaker find that, that right balance of providing value without being a pain in the butt or annoying? Yeah, well, that's a good question, Grant. And 
I will tell you this, that I feel like I'm on the same team as the speakers. Yeah. Uh, I hope they feel the same way with, with event planners. We're on the same team uh, as far as I'm concerned, uh, which means that, oh, I got to stay on your good side or your bad side. Yeah, there are, there are things you can do to hurt relationships. But just bottom line, I feel that we're on the same team. And so I think that that relationship uh, will help make those decisions. Uh, I, If there's order of importance, I say if there's a way that you can offer um, value right now, <clears throat> I think is key as we maneuver these new waters, especially if you were contracted already. Um, if you're a contracted speaker for an event that's already locked and loaded, and it looks like, like it's in the cancellation, some kind of alternative. Hey, what are you doing? This is what I've heard. Um, is there a way that I can turn some of this information into bite-sized pieces? And uh, we continue the conversation uh, later on. Um, it, it, it doesn't bother me uh, when someone reaches out and says, hey, what do your future events look like? That's fine. But uh, partner with me now in this new water. Uh, yeah. Let's not wait till the waters get smooth. Let's go through this together. I can assure you that those who hit home runs now uh, will be talking about how to uh, maneuver a crisis particularly coronavirus in 2021. I bet every single national conference across this land will have some sort of crisis management, uh, right. professional development moving forward. Uh, so you want to be part of that conversation now as much as you can and uh, push yourself. So uh, whenever you like, whenever you mentioned that Eric uh, came to you and said, Hey, you know, we were supposed to do this event. Now it's not happening. And so here's a webinar idea. And it was, it was more than just kind of, Hey, what would you guys think about a, a webinar? But I had like a, a really kind of fleshed out idea of here's how this would work for you guys. It sounded like that having more of a fleshed out thing really, really worked. What I'm curious about though, is how much of that was uh, well received because of your existing relationship with Eric, meaning that we were supposed to work with him. Now we can't. And so therefore, um, uh, therefore he came to us with an alternative and that makes a lot of sense versus like you mentioned, you know, speakers who, who could potentially add value to right to you right now. If maybe there's some speakers that you had loosely talked with in the past, you didn't have anything contracted. There was nothing affected with that person right now. And they came to you and said, Hey, I know you're supposed to be having these events. Here's an alternative and came to you with the exact same format that Eric had proposed to you. Would that be received the same way or, or, uh, I guess because of the existing relationship with Eric, is that is that different? Well, uh, Eric and I have a great relationship. We're good friends. A, a lot right. of our colleagues in here are good friends. And so there's certainly a trust level there. And so I'll, I guess I'll answer that by saying no one can be Eric. No one can be another. Right, right. They do what they do. You can't emulate some of the actions that they do, even though you can't be them completely. Uh, I think it'd be very helpful, but it, it it's just another... Uh, revenue source for the speaker. It's just another uh, way to package the content uh, that you know, like the back of your hand. It just has to be in a little bit of a different vehicle. It has to be able to be delivered a little differently. And uh, my perspective is when I hire a speaker, I want their relationship with the audience to be very good. You know, the relationship that I have with them is crucial, of course, but at the end of the day, it's how the audience responds uh, to the speaker and the relationship that's created there. A measure of success for me is when people come up to me after an event and say, hey, I want to bring that person to my event. Mm. That's success for me. Uh, so it's 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 not so much what fits the glove as much as the goal of this speaker. I want content in front of my audience that's going to help them. Uh, it's going to give value to them. And uh, I think we can do that digitally. 
Um, it, it could be just graphics. It could just be a, a series of blogs that's specifically made for the five, 700 people uh, that were going to be at a certain event. Um, I think that'll go a, la- a long way in connecting value to the end registrant because that's the whole goal here. Yeah. Uh, a good question that came in here from Dustin. He asked, uh, are we seeing companies' budgets for speakers and events being cut because of the shutdown? So uh, again, you you plan a bunch of events uh, over the course of a year. Are there some that, uh, obviously the, the events that you are, are supposed to be doing right now that are not happening, uh, obviously are gonna have some type of effect on revenue. So uh, because of that, are you looking ahead saying, okay, because we've had a potential cut in revenue, maybe we can't do a couple of these events in the future, or how is that affecting your, your long-term outlook on, on other events that you you may be doing? I don't think that future events and their budgets necessarily uh, are being hit right now. I think what we need to understand is maybe the registrants uh, budgets might be being hit. What depending on what industry they're in, um, if this coronavirus is affecting them uh, negatively, uh, on, a, on their financial budget lines. And that may be some considerations uh, for me. But uh, I tell you, if, if people who are missing events in 2020 uh, are going to be hungry for networking and in-person interaction at these national conferences in 2021. So I think there's certainly a, a facet of this that uh, we're going to come back roaring at a lot of these events. And uh, I, I don't see a reason why we would cap that if that was the case. Uh, I don't think we would physically cap that. Um, so I get the registration, uh, uh, budget for, for the, the, and, and, or the company itself, you know, if the company and, uh, they're just having trouble getting through, which I think are a large majority, uh, then, uh, that would yeah. just trickle down to the conference itself. But I, I don't see where budgets would be cut just because we had to cancel an event at one point in time. Very good. Uh, one other question here. We touched on this a little bit earlier, but from Trevor, he asked, are event planners exploring hosting virtual events via Zoom uh, and other online platforms instead of in person? Again, we kind of touched on this, but for those events that you are considering uh, making online or going to virtual, uh, is Zoom kind of the recommended platform that you would say, or are there other platforms that you're kind of looking at and exploring right now? Uh, I'd ask the question, how interactive do you want it to be? Is it a one-way conversation? Is it two-way? How how interactive do you want it to be? Uh, you know, if you've got 2,000 people at your event or 1,100, 1,200, I don't think I'd use Zoom. That's a lot of bandwidth for all those video chats and things like that. There might be some functionality you may not need if it's a one-way street, but uh, people are hungry. I'm, 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 I'm also uh, eager to have interaction uh, with the content that I'm looking at. And so Zoom is a great option. Uh, we use Zoom in, in several areas. Um, I, I use it personally as well. I think it's great for uh, small groups. Uh, for the big conferences, um, I think I would plan something where maybe there's not so much functionality on the registration side since uh, you're really trying to absorb the information just like a natural general session uh, would necessarily do. But like I said, at the onset of here, there's a lot of tools and resources that you would just never know existed until you needed it, which is now. All right. Uh, let me ask you this. Uh, so obviously this has had a huge, huge effect, not just uh, in the speaking industry, but in the, the world in general. Uh, you kind of alluded to this earlier, and I totally agree with you that I think as we all come out of quarantine, that people are going to crave that human interaction and crave events even more so. How do you see what has been happening right now? And again, nobody has the crystal ball to know how this is going to play out in the coming weeks and months. But how do you see this affecting the speaking industry at large over the coming years? 
Positively, I think it's going to affect it positively. Um, the portfolio that speakers can offer can grow now of what can you do online. And so, uh, you know, let's say I ask somebody, what are you doing February 3rd? And they'll have to tell me, oh, I'm sorry, but I'm traveling back that afternoon from a February 2nd event. Mm -hmm. Well, if there's an online option, then, you know, uh, maybe we could consider that and that wouldn't be lost business for the speaker. Um, for uh, an education manager, it's that continuous education throughout the year that this unlocks uh, opportunities to have more focus groups. Um, you know, travel has become very expensive. And so uh, having focus groups that's in person or having uh, kind of auxiliary groups that meet in person all the time does get costly, especially when you want those folks to also come to your national events. Uh, so uh, I think it's going to positively help uh, meeting and event planners. And I think it could create a new business line uh, for speakers. Uh, there's just a few considerations that you need to make, which is when we're hiring a speaker, we're looking for the stage presence. We're looking for how they can fill a room. And those are just different uh, metrics. Those are different consideration points than necessarily a one-on-one -on -one, uh, online environment. And so there might need to be some adjustments uh, that a speaker might need to make to talk more directly to somebody through the platform of their laptop or their uh, iPad uh, than necessarily to a large audience on a stage. Yeah, this is uh, certainly a weird time, um, but I think that the good news is that the speaking industry is one that has been around for a long time. It will continue to be around for a long time. And uh, again, like we were touching on, I think that that people are going to crave that human interaction even more so uh, in the future. So, uh, Josh, we appreciate the time. We know that you're busy right now and uh, keep your head up. If there's uh, anything you need, let, let us know. Thanks, Grant. I appreciate it. All right. There you go. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Josh McGee. Uh, again, if you like these, make sure you uh, subscribe to the podcast. Like I said, these are just some uh, some bonus episodes that we are doing. We're trying to give you some extra content right now and help you think through and process uh, how to best handle this current crisis and situation and how you can thrive in the midst of chaos. Uh, so we will be bringing you some more in the uh, coming days. So make sure, again, you subscribe and follow us uh, online, on social, on YouTube, on Facebook, the various places, all the things. Yeah, do that. All right. Thanks for hanging out with us, my friend. Keep your head up and uh, we'll talk soon. You're awesome.